0: Thank you for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystoryatsummitsa.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Good to have everybody this morning. I hope you had a good week and it's going to be a great day. This is part two and the last in a two-part series I called, Are You Succeeding or Surviving? Are you breaking even or breaking through? And my hope is that you'll get a bit tired of being a good loser spiritually. Not talking about sports, talking about spiritually. God doesn't want you to be a loser, and I've done my best to prove it in part one, and I will conclusively prove it today in part two. I'm going to share a truth with you I rarely ever even hear taught in church, but it's absolutely hope-filled. You know, I hope you brought your hope chest. Don't girls still have a hope chest? I hope you at least got one spiritually, a hope chest, things I'm still hoping for, and I want God to give you a great word today that will put tons of hope in whatever situation you find yourself Don't be like the man who brought an airline ticket in New York for a trip up to Boston. He went to the counter, bought the ticket, and the agent said, your plane leaves at 225. So he had some time to kill. He walked over in the lobby, saw a set of scales that promised to give your weight and fortune. So he put in a quarter, and the machine gave him his weight, printed his fortune. It said, your name is John Jones. You weigh 188 pounds, and you're catching the 225 to Boston. He thought, oh, somebody's messing with me. This is a trick. So he put another quarter in, and it said, your name is still John Jones. You still weigh 188 pounds. You're still catching the 225 to Boston. Well, he thought, this is crazy. Somebody's tricking me. So he took his carry-on bag into the men's room, changed clothes, came back out, put another quarter in, and it said, your name is still John Jones. You still weigh 188 pounds, but you just missed the 225 to Boston. So don't miss what God wants to say to us today. Uh, Too many of God's people have taken on a survival mentality. It's the attitude that says, I just hope I can hold on until the end. So if you're just hoping to survive, then you're not believing God for what we taught last week, supernatural increase and restoration. You remember last week I wrote and uh, talks from Isaiah 42, verse 22, that said, God's people and God's leader are robbed, plundered, and spoiled by the enemy because no one will declare restore. So, you've got to speak up and proclaim what God has demanded the enemy do for his children. No one declares restore. So the result, my people are robbed and spoiled, and they stay forever in a counselor's office. That's not God's best for you. God wants you to believe, expect, and declare restoration over your life, over your marriage, your finances, your children, your health, and your business. So what are you saying when you look at problems, or bills, or a marriage, You know, God says, I need somebody who will speak up and declare, restore. And if you're not saying that, then you have no expectancy. You're not believing anymore. You're just living with a survivor mentality. And for years, Christians have stood by, been a good sport, been a good loser, and watched the enemy steal their joy, their peace, their marriage, their children, their money, their self-esteem, and their desire for God. But God declared in Joel 2, verse 25, I want to restore the years the enemy has stolen from you. God wants you to get it back. And if you understand the principle of restoration, which again is not taught in church, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the principle of reciprocity, restoration was, whatever's been lost, stolen, Or taken away, has to be brought back in greater quantity or quality or kind. You don't get back what you lost. You get back something better than you lost. The thief shall restore sevenfold. I've had two robberies. I want to see that come to pass. I'm going to be one capitalized man. And God says that is a fact of Scripture. God says his problem is finding people who'll come into agreement with him. So we've got to start believing and declaring, not just surviving. Passive people survive. Possessors have to be strong and aggressive, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not just about weeping and crying. So the story of Job unlike we've been taught, is not primarily about suffering. It's primarily about restoration. And this is really incredible hope today. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz, a blameless man, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. So if Job is a good man, favored of God, Blessed of God, why did Job go through these trials? Verse 6, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Now, some people believe you can live in such a way, have the right faith that the devil won't bother you. Not so, my friends, not so. In fact, the more the Lord blesses you, the more of a target you become. Because if I'm the adversary and I see where God's favor is going, I want to attack that. I can't hurt God, but I can hurt what he loves, so I'm going to attack it. So Job's goodness and faith and righteousness were not a deterrent to stop the enemy from coming in that day. Now, there are many people probably in this room watching by live stream, and you love the Lord, and yet the enemy's come to try to devour and consume everything you've got. Now why would the enemy do that? Because if Satan can knock you down to just surviving, just trying to get by, never having enough, always worrying, never trusting or believing God's Word, well, he stops you from payback. He stops you from supernatural increase and restoration that God says he will demand that he pay. So God's got a best for you, and Satan wants to keep you from it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't care how nice you are. You can be kumbaya, warm, fuzzy, huggy, all you want, and the enemy will kick your lights out. Thank you. Some people say, well, you're kind of rough. Ah, go ahead and be soft and fuzzy. He's still coming. He's still coming. That's all I'm trying to get you to say. See, God's Word Uh, even though they say they love him, people who don't stand on it and don't declare it are absolutely no threat to the enemy. And I don't know about you, but if you're going to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd like for the enemy to sweat me a little bit. I mean, would you like to know that, uh, I'm sorry, we didn't get your name? That happened in Acts 19. The demon spoke out of a man and says, Paul, we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? Well, I'm... I attend Summit, Christmas and Easter. Well, you're really no threat to us. not about you, but that just irks me. I want, I want the enemy to at least uh, be on alert if you are around or I'm around. When our eyes open in the morning, I want him to say, oh, my God, he's awake. Yeah, be a threat to the enemy. Well, so many are passive and compliant and surviving. They're not. So the devil brings confusion, lack, want, depression, worry, until you just give up believing God will do anything. Now bondage takes your focus off God's Word and off all of His promises, and God appears to you to be smaller than your problem. If your problem is bigger than God, I'm telling you, you're never going to move any mountain. you got to see God bigger than your problem. Well, Rick, I got myself in this mess, and I'll just have to get myself out. Well, that's the way a foolish man talks, because all of us get ourselves in trouble most of the time. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Right? And when we do, remember 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, I write these things that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I've got a defense attorney who's going to justify me, because I do fail many times, and so do you. But I don't have to go, I don't have to get Maylocks and go into a fetal position. If any man sin, I have an advocate with the Father. He's there to defend me against the prosecuting attorney, which is Satan. So realize, even though you got yourself in the problem, and you might be powerless to get yourself out of it, God isn't, and God has a solution. You know, it may not be the way you would have chosen, but it's the one God has chosen for that moment. And you need to walk in it without condemnation and be obedient so you can go free. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. God's big into freedom. But the enemy doesn't want you free. It's God who wants me free, full of faith. It's God who wants me delivered. The enemy wants me bound, distracted, and divided. Now verse 8, Job chapter 1. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's the finest man in the earth. How'd you like to have that on your resume? He's the best guy on planet earth. And he's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God. He stays away from evil. And so God is saying, have Satan, have you set your heart against my servant Job? Verse 9, Satan replied to the Lord, yes, yes. But Job has a good reason to fear you. And the devil is saying, Job only fears God because he's blessed, he's wealthy, he's healthy. Now, of course, Job, we know now, is innocent of that accusation. He doesn't even know the conversation's going on. Satan has come to distract everything God has added to you. Satan wants to subtract that wife or husband, your children, your health, He wants to subtract your finances, your ministry, your physical blessing, just because God has given it to you. But God does not subtract. He's in the adding and multiplying business. He restores. Now, here's an insight we get from the devil, or we wouldn't even know it. Verse 10, Satan says, you have put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. Well, you may not even have known you can have a hedge of protection, but we get insight here that God has hedged his people, and the enemy can't get in without permission. Now, he's limited. He's going to get permission, but he must have permission. He's not free to come and go as he chooses. And Satan says, you've made him prosper in everything he does. He won that 435 million Powerball the other night. (laughs) One guy in California won it. He probably can't spell Powerball, but he won it anyway. (laughs) Look how rich he is, Satan says. Reach out and take away everything he has. He will curse you to your face. So take away the blessing. Job will stop becoming a believer and be a survivor and will accuse God for the problem. I wonder if you've ever said, why doesn't God help me? That's an accusation against God. And this is what Satan is trying to say to God about Job. Old Job, he's all about the blessing. Take away the blessing, you won't have Job. Job's all about the wealth and abundance. Take away the abundance, you won't have Job. Just let Job be a survivor for a while, he'll stop being a believer. So God declares to the devil that Job is a believer, not a survivor, and gives the enemy permission to take away the abundance and blessing, but he can't kill him. He said, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. That means you're indestructible until God says so. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the pronunciation is. God says, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. God has the last word on your life and mine. That gives me holy boldness. Uh, That means I'm not leaving planet earth until God says so. Period. And no matter what other predictions may come, I am, I am unstoppable, undefeatable, and unkillable till God says so. All right? That, that, that ought to make you somewhat bad. Get a little attitude about you. You're no pushover. You know, you can sing like, what's her name, hit me with your best shot, fire away. And he will. And he's going to here. A lot of you think, if I could have that, if I could win that, if I could buy that, if I could make this much, if I could live there, I'd be happy. Let me tell you that the greatest treasure you and I as believers have is our personal salvation and relationship with God. You take away everything I've got, but there's still opportunity to come back and be restored. And Job's going to prove it. God knew the thought and intent of Job, and He knew Job's love was not centered in blessing only. There are 42 chapters in the book of Job. But these 42 chapters do not cover his entire life. A lot of scholars agree that the trial in Job's life took place over a 9 to 12-month period. In other words, he didn't suffer these adversities for a lifetime. Satan gave Job his best shot, but it wasn't enough to cause Job to turn his back on God, quit church, and stop giving. He chose to believe God for a full, complete restoration. Job 14, verse 7 through 9. Even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again and grow new branches. Though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays, at the scent of water, it will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. Well, oh, Job felt cut down, pressed out of life, and he declares, There's hope. And folks, this morning, I want you to walk away knowing there is hope. Get in agreement with God. Now, watch this New Testament verse, which the Apostle James, chapter 5, verse 11, is going to go back to Job and use it to teach us a truth. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end that is intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So he's saying in the New Testament, we count them blessed who endure, and then he backs it up with his proof, you have heard of the perseverance, the endurance of Job, and you've seen the intended outcome by the Lord. Well, you haven't seen it yet, but we'll get there. And that gives me hope that whatever trial I'm in, the key to that restoration is endurance. And that's where most people quit. They quit marriage. They quit the job. They quit church. They stop. They give up generosity. They give up their dream. They're just good at quitting in this country. But if you're going to be a part of this kingdom, he's telling you blessing comes from the endurance. And he backs it up with the perseverance or endurance of Job and says, look at God's intention at the end. That's what I want to know. Satan had his intentions, but God had his intention. And his intention is to bless you if you endure. So no matter how deep in yoghurt you are this morning, there is hope for restoration. So the book of Job is not just about suffering, it's about endurance in the midst of bad circumstances that we all go through. And this is what God does for consistent, patient, believing people. So what is the end of Job that, that uh, James mentions? And the Lord restored Job's losses. Now you can see why James says, we count them blessed or happy who endure. So get losing off your mind this morning. Losing wasn't on God's mind when He made you. It's winning. Job chapter 1, verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house. Well, it's a great day. Celebration. And all hell breaks loose. And we have a tendency to remember those kind of days, don't we? Yeah. Verse 14, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them, when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals, killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Bam, Satan throws a punch. Verse 16, while that guy was speaking, another messenger came. The fire of God's fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Bam. Bam. Satan throws a left hook. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with his news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels, killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Bam, here comes an uppercut to Job. I'd be thinking if I see anybody else walk up while these guys are talking, I'm going to take you out. I mean, at least you'd have that thought, right? Verse 18, verse 18. And while this guy was speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Some of you ought to be feeling better already because you hadn't had four messengers. Come on. While he's still speaking, another messenger arrived saying, Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older brother's home. Suddenly a powerful tornado swept in from the wilderness, hit the house on all sides. It collapsed. All your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Now, bam, Job's down for the count. He's on the mat and the devil's trying to count him out. Satan has consumed everything this man had except his life. So Job's assessment in Job 16, verse 12. I was living quietly until he, the enemy, shattered me. He took me by the neck and broke me in pieces. Then he set me up as his target. He's giving us a description of what's just happened. And remember what Job chapter 1 said about Job? He's an upright, perfect, just man, a wealthy man, but there came a day. Verse 12, Job 16. Satan puts a contract out on Job and hit men from hell or out to get him. Verse 13. He says, I was living quietly until he shattered me. He took me by the neck, broke me in pieces, set me up as his target. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you feel that way. But what you forgot was Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will ultimately condemn. For this is your heritage and your righteousness is of him. That is my legal right. I'm in God's will. He says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. It'll hurt. It can delay me. It will be formed, but it won't achieve its intended outcome and every tongue that rises to slander, to defame. God says, let them yak. It won't matter. You will condemn. For this is your heritage, my inheritance, as a child of God, and your righteousness is of Him. And the devil wants you and I to forget that when all hell breaks out in our life. But God says, if you'll continue to stand... If you'll speak his word boldly and refuse to speak foolishly about God, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Job 17, verse 11, my days are over, my hopes have disappeared, my heart's desires are broken. Now, Job right now is talking out of his hurt, not his heart. And we have got to become like John Paul Jones in the Revolutionary War against the British. The masts of his ship were hanging tattered, fire was raging across his deck. The British asked, Do you want to surrender? And John Paul Jones, the great naval commander, said, I have not yet begun to fight. And that's what some of you need to let the enemy know. I haven't even begun to fight, Satan. Job 17, verse 15. Where then is my hope? Can anyone find it? And when we come under severe attack, we can be like Job and for a while lose our focus because we can't see anything but the problem. Now listen to this. Some of you this morning are in agreement with your mate on the problem, not on the solution. Well, honey, I think we're going under. Wife. Yeah, Fred, I guess we are. And the Bible says, if two of you shall agree, it shall be done. Are you listening? You can agree to fail just like you can agree to succeed. You can agree to go under just like you can agree to go over. Some of you wives and husbands are in agreement to fail. You're not in agreement to succeed, and you need to break that agreement this morning. If I lose my focus on God by agreeing on the problem, I don't have any hope. David said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Shake it off, soul. Put your hope in God. I've always got hope. And when you focus on the problem, you slip over into the survival mode. So Job's hope is starting to fade. And instead of being surrounded by voices of encouragement that would bring him hope, Satan finds allies in some church members, his so-called friends, and even his wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? Wow. That's a good, a good rebuke to us to make sure when a brother or sister is going through an attack, don't you dare assume it's always because of them. Job didn't do anything wrong. And if you did do something wrong, here's the remedy. Repent. God is gracious and merciful and still will restore. So you don't have to... Sit in guilt, shame and condemnation but I want to know would you be a friend or would you be on your blog or your social media or your Facebook or your Instagram yakking about so and so and so and so not giving them any hope man I, that's when people need you the most and he can't get it from his wife and he can't get it from his church friends if every time I said to my wife hey honey I got an idea I think I can see daylight and she said oh it won't work well it'd be hard to have hope wouldn't it Yeah, you got to get into agreement, and I'm trying to get you into agreement to give you some hope this morning. Job 1, verse 11, Satan says, stretch out your hand, Lord, touch all that Job has, he will curse you to your face. So Satan made Job his personal project of destruction. Job is a target. He's a great man, he's a prosperous man, but it's all coming apart like a cheap sweater, And he doesn't know why, but he doesn't curse God. And think about this. He didn't even know there was a Satan. He had no Bible. All he knew was that God had been the source of everything in his life, and now it was gone. One minute he's God's favored son, the next minute he feels forsaken. And he's at a loss to know why. So Job had to make a decision that would affect the rest of his life. Either God was, or he wasn't. Either God could or He couldn't, and either God would or He wouldn't. So Job had to make that choice. Job 42, verse 1 and 2. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. That'll tell you what choice Job made. Job knew God was, he knew what, that God could, and he knew that God would. He chose not to be a survivor. He chose to be a believer for supernatural increase and restoration. Job 42, verse 7. After the Lord finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz and Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Everybody in church ain't speaking the truth about God's character, and his nature, and their view about him. You, I hope you're not believing a bad report or view about this incredible God that we love and serve. So Job's friends hurt him, and they misrepresented God. Verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. You know the best way to get everything you want? Help somebody else get what they want. Verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. That is what you call supernatural increase and restoration. That was the intended outcome of a man who endures God restored his losses and gave him twice as much as he had before. Now, if God walked up to you this morning and whispered in your ear, endure, I know it hurts, believe my word, confess my word, and the outcome's going to be I'm going to double everything you lost. Boy, you'd be like somebody got a B12 shot. You'd jump out of that seat if you were an Episcopalian, shout and run and scream. You might even wave a hanky. I don't know what you might do which would be really good for some of you. That'd be the most excitement your heart's had in a long time. I'm thinking of that old Motown song, The Thrill is Gone, for some of you. The thrill is gone. This is is good stuff here. And so James in the New Testament quotes it to give us hope and encouragement about the outcome. I don't care where I am at this moment. I'm concerned about the outcome. How I finish this thing? How's it going to end up? Oh, it's bad today, but it's going to be better tomorrow. And that's the attitude God wants you to have because our hope is in Him and in His Word. Could it be that the restoration you need will come when you get your mind off just you and everything you have lost and you start helping and praying for other people? How many times do you say you in your prayer life? When you consume all of your prayer time on you, your focus is too narrow and too consuming. So the fastest way to get your needs met is to get involved in somebody else's need. So Even in our two robberies, we couldn't focus on that. We still had vacation Bible school to fund. We had all kind of projects. Cindy and I just kept it going just like nothing had ever happened. But boy, I can tell you at home and in agreement and in the car, we did some shouting restore vehemently against the enemy. And we quoted those promises out loud. And I tell you, we have lived to see that restoration over and over again, faster than we thought in ways that were unimaginable, unimaginable. Nobody could predict it. And when God does that for somebody, would you get excited for them instead of being jealous of them? I'd like somebody to get excited. God bless me. I'd like you to say, praise God. I'm in the same line. Especially when you're doing the right thing and you're believing that God means what God says. You can't depend on enough people to take care of you because they won't. They take care of themselves. My ultimate hope can't be in people. It's got to be in God. People let you down. People don't cover your backside. You got to trust that God will. But I'm going to tell you something. I want to be a person that will cover your backside and will be there for you. And all the men I serve and in pleasure to serve, uh, I serve on their boards. I make sure their back is covered. I make sure. I've got a voice. I've got a say. I've got some impact. And I'm going to make sure that my friends have, uh, that I have their back the best I can. And that ought to be your attitude as well. So, I believe that God is who God says He is. I believe He's the God who can. And what's more important, He's the God who will And He will for you. How about a good shout amen this morning? And He will. Now, could we do one more thing? Because when you talk about declaring restore, it involves doing something. So I'd like to do it again. It's not going to hurt you if you're just visiting today. It won't hurt you one bit to have a good prayer confession. So unless you are infirmed, Stand up with me, and let's make a confession once again as we did last week and do what God said to do, and then you keep doing it over the area He stole from you. Don't stop. You don't even have to pray long prayers. Lord, restore, restore, restore. Increase, increase. Supernatural increase. Put that one on your refrigerator. The thief shall restore sevenfold. That's Scripture. You can't pray in error. And either God means what He says or He doesn't. And if He doesn't, let's just go to the lake (laughs) or the beach or wherever. So say with me, Lord Jesus, I recognize this morning the enemy has stolen from me. I want to take action against him. You said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy but you came to give us life abundantly. I stand on your word, and in your name, I say to the enemy, the Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name, I declare unto you, Satan, the thief shall restore sevenfold in all matters that you have stole from me. I declare by the Word of God, I will pursue you, overtake you, and recover all that's been stolen. I demand in the name of Jesus that you bring back everything you've taken, my goods, my relationships, my health, my family, my business, my finances. I receive it back by faith in Jesus' name. If I have sinned and given Satan the right to intrude in my life, I repent. I ask your forgiveness, Lord, and I proclaim restore and increase over all that you've given me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping me recover all that has been stolen in all areas of my life. I give you the glory, the thanksgiving, and the honor for your redemptive work on my behalf. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. A good thank you to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, shake it up. Give it back. Increase! Increase! Supernaturally! Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com